We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. Rick Green filling in for Walker Wildman today. Thank you for joining us this afternoon on this wonderful Tuesday. If you'd like to, if if you hadn't heard of me at all before, hadn't listened to the program before, you can find out more at PatriotAcademy.com. PatriotAcademy.com. Uh, that's our website for our organization that trains and equips citizens to live out their liberty. You know, basically to do what uh, we're you know told to do by Abraham Lincoln in the Gettysburg Address. If you think about June 6, yesterday. D-Day, the anniversary of D-Day, that incredible, incredible, um, largest ever uh, assault to to take back a continent for freedom. If you think about the week before, Memorial Day, I mean, how do we honor all of that sacrifice? You probably saw some stories yesterday, I bet. You maybe maybe read some stories uh, about some of these World War II vets that are still alive today that that, that went over back over. Uh, I have really enjoy, I, I have the privilege of, of interviewing a lot of these World War II vets over the last you know, 15 years of doing Wobblers live radio, not just World War II vets, but vets from every conflict that uh, that are still living today. And, and of course, with the World War II guys, I mean, we're, we're down to just a few. And uh, some of the folks I've, I've been able to interview, I mean, people that that uh, just uh, unbelievable stories. I, I'm talking about things that are, are seem like superhuman. I mean, when you hear the story, you're going, how did you do that. I mean, some of the some of these guys were kids, 16, 17, 18. They lied about their age to get in. They you know, literally at, at, at 17 or 18 years old, going a week without sleep, constant battle, constant alert. I mean, how do you physically do the things that they did? And every time, every one of them I would interview, it'd just be like, yeah, yeah, we just, you know, we did what we had to do. I mean, we, you know, it wasn't really a, a choice. We knew if, if, uh, if we were going to save freedom, we had to do those things. So, I mean, they're so matter of fact, they act like they did nothing um, you know, the, the, the extraordinary. And, and maybe it was because maybe it's because they were around so much of it. You know, if, if you're if you're doing something and it's only you, then then you might think, yeah, wow, that was pretty extraordinary. But if you got, you know, 20 other guys with you and and maybe only five of you actually end up making it out, actually surviving all of those conflicts. But you saw the heroism, you saw the extraordinary things, and they almost became commonplace. That's kind of the way I, only way I can explain how matter of fact these 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 World War II vets are when they tell those stories is that they were around heroism so much that it became commonplace, and that's why when you see the interviews with the guys, you know Richard Winters and these others from Band of Brothers, if you've ever watched that series, and they are so matter of fact, it's it's because they were around so much of that heroism. But I all, all of that to say. Um, what's the right way to say thank you to that? I mean, when you think about D-Day yesterday, and, and my favorite story from D-Day, there's so many good ones, but I mean, when you when you go over to where it where it initially started, where it, really the beginning of that day was at uh, Pointe de Ho, uh, France. It was it was at, at Pointe de Hoc, if you depend on how you want to say it, um, and it was it was that 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 cliff that these Rudders Rangers Army Army Rangers took those cliffs. And they were they were having to throw their daggers up, dig in, and then climb up these ropes w- with the enemy just leaning over and shooting down at them. I mean, they they were they were you know fishing a
In Revelation 2, Jesus criticized the church for leaving its first love, even though Dr. Tony Evans says they were hard at work doing ministry. We'll explore the difference between duty and devotion as we spend two minutes with Tony. Everybody who knows me knows that I am a connoisseur of hot sauce. And I love to try new and different hot sauces on my food. They know when we have a meal here at the church, to bring pastor his hot sauce. Because I love fire. God wants to know, where's the fire for me? For the relationship. But you're busy. You out there doing it. You're doing programs. You got all this stuff going on and that's fine as long as it doesn't take you from what's first. <laughs> reminds me of the human story of the guy playing golf and all of a sudden a funeral procession comes by. He stops, drops down his club, drops on his knees, bows his head and pays homage. The funeral session finishes. He stands back up. The guy playing golf with him and said, boy, that was, that was really respectful. The funeral procession came by and you, you paid homage to that. What, what made you do that? Oh, he said, well, I was married to her for 35 years. <laughs> See, you can pay homage and it not be real. See, you can come to church and he not be your first love. This just may be paying homage because it's Sunday morning and I'm, I'm supposed to pay homage. But let me go back to my golf game. If you're ready to stop going through the motions, find out what it really means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link at the top that says Jesus. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. A reoccurring topic on my radio program is what is called stakeholder capitalism. The phrase was promoted by the founder of the World Economic Forum and is used by many business leaders as well as by progressive politicians like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Former Senator Phil Graham argues in a recent op-ed that stakeholder capitalism is a war on the Enlightenment. Proponents argue that big businesses get more than they deserve, but he reminds us that nearly three-fourths of the value of publicly traded companies in America is owned by pensions, 401ks, IRAs, charitable or organizations, and insurance companies funding life insurance policies and annuities. The beneficiaries of most of these are average American workers and retirees. The mantra that private wealth must serve the public interest has been boosted by one of capitalism's great innovations, the index fund. But what investors gained in efficiency with index funds, they have lost in terms of voting power. And so this latest trend in investing mandates that businesses and corporations must work together toward social goals, which have been defined as ESG, which stand for Environmental, Social, and Governance. Now, this new agenda affects both politics and prosperity. Stakeholders demand businesses and corporations serve interests never enacted by Congress into law. These demands also affect the profits and bottom line of these companies. And also have noticed that Tesla was removed from the S&P 500 ESG index when it used to have the fourth largest weighting in the index. Could it be that it was dropped because of recent comments and maybe even actions by the Tesla founder? You know, stakeholder capitalism may sound like a good idea until you get into the details. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Inflation, go to viewpoints.info slash inflation. That's viewpoints.info slash inflation.
It's my turn. Here is your host for My Turn, Don Wildman. In the book of Psalms, we read these words. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Jerusalem is located some 33 miles east of the Mediterranean Sea and some 14 miles west of the Dead Sea. For some 25 to 30 centuries, it has been a holy city. Today, it is the center of three major religions, Judaism, All Islam, right. Sorry about and Christianity. That, folks. I, I lost it is my internet well completely. It just, just completely shut down, David so I apologize for that. And I'm not even sure where I was. I, I was actually telling the story about Point to Hawk France and the and the, the whole D Day invasion and us taking back an entire continent for freedom. So let me just cut to the chase. The main point I wanted to make was that you know all of this incredible sacrifice that they made for us, all, all of these people throughout history that paid the ultimate price, that that were willing, and, and, and frankly, not even just the ones that died. What, what we call the ultimate sacrifice, or the as Lincoln said in his Gettysburg Address, the last full measure of devotion, but also all of those kids that gave up. The, the, the youth gave up the 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, uh, you know, th- those years of their life. Some of these kids serving years in World War II. Um, we owe so much to them. And, and so that is why Lincoln said that you honor them by having an increased devotion to the cause. We know what the cause was. It's not complicated. It's the American value system, the American way of life. It's, life. it's not this nonsense we're seeing right now. I mean, unfortunately, we're, we're living in a. In a in a time where um, people have have traded the truth for a lot, we're we're living at a time where where we are Romans one is coming to life right before our eyes. I mean, pick a verse, right? I mean, anywhere in there, it's like a description of our culture. Take for instance, worshiping the the creature instead of the creator. I mean, that's the entire environmental agenda that 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 we would uh, you know. Uh, elevate Mother Earth, uh, as they would say it, and we would elevate the, a worship of creation to the point of, of 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 literally harming humanity and of worshiping the creation instead of worshiping the one that created it. Uh, that one's a simple one. Then you get on on down and and through the entire uh, chapter, and and of course it describes exactly what we're dealing with on the sexuality issues and on the on the uh, lack of authority issues and on on the rebellion issues. I mean, it's Romans 1 describes exactly where we are. And when you read Romans 1, you have to come to the conclusion that they knew God before they did those things. I mean, it specifically says, even though they knew God, they chose not to retain God in their knowledge. They chose not to acknowledge God. That's America. That's our nation. We knew God. We were a nation that honored God. We were a nation under God. We were a nation built on Judeo-Christian values. We were a nation that that took the Bible and infused it into every area of the culture. And then we decided, for whatever reason, say, no, no, we don't think it's worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. We don't don't want God in our culture. In fact, we're going to push God out of our culture to the point that we're going to have Supreme Court decisions saying, it would cause brain damage for a child to read the Ten Commandments. Think about that right now in the in light of what's going on with the mass murder events, with the with the decadence, just the the I mean, I'm embarrassed that it's my home state of Texas where so much of this is happening 
you probably saw the the headlines and the viral videos of this disgusting, disgusting stuff this weekend where these drag queens were bringing children into their sex shows, into their, their dancing and all of this. And I, I, I just, I, I can't believe it's my home state of Texas where that is happening. And, and that is a culture saying anything goes. Everything is okay. There are no limits. We've really traded the truth for a lie. Now, I'm not saying all this to depress you folks. I'm saying all this to hopefully impress upon you that we must, we absolutely must have a turn in our culture. We must return to the principles that made us great in the first place. We must return to those things that give you a good output instead of a a, a negative output, instead of a destructive output. Because laws of nature and nature's God don't change. We know that that if you input the principles of liberty, you get prosperity, you get liberty, you get freedom, you get freedom of religion, freedom of thought, freedom, all these things. When you input the principles of tyranny, you get destruction, you get famine, you get you get shortages, you get empty shelves, you get you get the you know can't get the baby formula, you get doubling of of, of your price at the pump. I mean, all, all the stuff we're seeing, all the negative results, folks. There's a reason for that. There's a cause. For that effect, and the good news is that we can actually get a different effect, a different outcome, if we change the input. Deuteronomy hasn't changed. God's principles haven't changed. It's all about it. Keeping His promises, put that good stuff in. You're going to get the good stuff out. So we got to know what the good stuff is. That's why AFR is so important. When you listen to American Family Radio, you're learning the good stuff. Then you got to do something with it. It's action time, folks. Increase devotion to the cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the specific inputs and what you and I can do to help turn this culture around. You're listening to AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green, filling in for Walker Walker. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The Texas Department of Public Safety has confirmed that at least 19 elementary school children and two teachers were murdered by an 18-year-old at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas. The massacre has spurred the typical knee-jerk calls for more gun control legislation. We never see this type of reaction when other instrumentalities like knives or motor vehicles are used to perpetuate heinous crimes. But the issue isn't the instrumentality. The real issue is the sin-sick human heart. There's only one way to address it, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Avoiding the true cause avoids the only cure. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. For Christian girls growing up in a faith-filled household, one of the scariest feelings is that of unbelief. In times of crisis or questioning, many have a tendency to slip into feelings of doubt. 
Even the disciples who saw Jesus with their very eyes expressed disbelief. If your girl identifies as a doubting Thomas, reassure her that faith is something that must undergo personal investigation. A faith that is untested, unquestioned, and undoubted is likely one without real roots. The key to successfully navigating doubt is taking on the hard work. Commit to disciple your girl in her faith exploration. Encourage her to truly study the Bible and its historical relevance, ask tough questions, and stay in prayer. This honing will surely result in a deepened, reliable faith. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. For over 40 years, American Family Association has stood for righteousness and God's truth in our nation. American Family Association Executive Vice President, Ed Vitagliano. AFA is here every day fighting for the future of America, and praise be to God, we're making a difference. One important way you can join us in the battle is through a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. The charitable gift annuity benefits you and it benefits the culture-transforming work of American Family Association. Contact the AFA Foundation today to learn how you can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting American Family Association. A charitable gift annuity helps you and it allows AFA to impact America for generations to come. Phone 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the core. My name is Rick Green. I'm filling in for Walker Wildman today and appreciate you listening. And thanks for your patience with me losing you a little earlier, but um, thrilled to be on the program today and uh, thrilled to, to have so many people now interested in even the topics that we're talking about today. You know, we're talking about honoring those who served at D-Day, which we celebrated yesterday or remembered yesterday, and, and then, of course, Memorial Day a week before. And then how do you do that? How do you honor them? I, I will admit that for a long time, I had trouble with that. I was, um, well, to be blunt, I, I, was, I just, just felt like I was, I was dishonoring them. I mean, I would, I would shake hands. I would go shake a military person's hand in, in uniform. You know, I'd say, thank you for your service. Taught my kids to do that. They would do that every time they saw somebody that was in uniform, and, uh, which makes it very difficult to get through an airport from one side to the other trying to catch a connecting flight when all four of your kids are stopping every person in uniform to say thank you. But that's a good thing. Um, but it just seemed empty. You know, it just seemed like it wasn't enough. I wanted, I wanted some way to actually honor them. Uh, and of course, you know, we do a lot of public events. And so, we, you know, we'd have veterans stand, we'd clap for them. And even then it just felt empty. You know, I, re- I remember the, um, in fact, speaking of D-Day, you know, if you've seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, it, it, it has um, that incredible, incredible um, opening that, uh, where, where they're, a storm in the beaches there on D-Day and, and just the, the carnage and the, and the chaos. And, the, and I mean, as only Hollywood could do it, they made you feel like you were there. I mean, obviously, it's not even close to actually being there. But for a moment, you felt like you were there and you, you, you could tell just how uh, a little, little small taste of, of just how crazy and chaotic and, and, and terrifying it was uh, for those boys as they, as they got off of those, those uh, boats and, and, and just right into carnage. But 
But as you follow that movie and you go through the story of Saving Private Ryan, it begins on D-Day, but then it follows those guys. Uh, if you remember, if you saw the movie, it, uh, it had uh, Tom Hanks playing uh, Captain Miller. And his job became, once, they, once you get into the movie, it, 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 uh, they got kind of a special uh, appointment, a special, special you know, mission. And, and, and that part is, is, um, you know, is Hollywood. It's a, it's a made-up story from the standpoint of them actually going for Private Ryan. The story was that Private Ryan's uh, brothers had all been killed in action, and now it's just him. He's the only surviving son of the family, and the Army figures this out, so they want to get him out of the theater. They want to rescue him and get him... Uh, getting back home to his family and and basically saying, look, this family's suffered enough and sac- sacrificed enough. And, and that, that there was a Navy story similar to that where I think four brothers were killed. Uh, they, they, they they all died on on a, on a ship that was uh, sank, and um, and so policy was changed after that where they would make sure that that brothers uh, were you know sent to different uh, areas of the war. But but Saving Private Ryan was based on that that story. But the cool part of the story, the amazing part of the story that really got driven home to me at the end of the movie was after this this little you know band of brothers, if you will, I know that's a different Hollywood uh, output, which is also incredibly good. Um, but but th- this this group of guys that Captain Miller was in charge of, their job was to go find Private Ryan, to find him and get him out. And and so the movie follows these guys as they're trying to find Private Ryan, and all throughout the movie. These guys keep dying. These guys keep giving their life for this kid, for Private Ryan. They are are on a mission to find him and get him home to his family, and yet they give their life to save his, to get him out. You know, the Bible tells us there's no greater love than that you lay down your life for your friend, for your family, for your country in this case. And all throughout this movie, these guys are sacrificing their their lives. And at the end, Tom Hanks' character, Captain Miller, he gets shot. Now, this is at the very end of the movie. This is after they, they've just found Private Ryan, and there's another battle, and he's on the bridge there, if you remember the movie, and he gets shot, and he's about to die. And Private Ryan kneels down next to him. Here's this, this kid. Matt Damon plays the kid, and, and, um, and Tom Hanks plays the, the captain. And this kid kneels down next to him, and Captain Miller grabs Private Ryan, pulls him in real close, and with his last breath, he says two words that I hope you hear today. He says, earn this, earn this. And then Captain Miller dies. Private Ryan gets to go home. He, he's rescued and he gets to go home. And the, and the scene morphs from this kid, this 19-year-old Private Ryan in the movie, to 50 years later, he's now gone back to visit and he's kneeling at the grave of Captain Miller. And he says to Captain Miller, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I'm a, I, I, I'm a good Man, that I've lived a good life, that I've lived a life worthy of the sacrifice you made for me. Think about that, folks. He's basically saying, you sacrificed for me. Did I make the most of it? Did, did I live a life worthy of that sacrifice? Did I do my part in preserving that freedom that you were willing to die for? And that's the way I think we need to think about D-Day yesterday, Memorial Day last week. How do we honor them? And I, and, I, and I remember that, that at the end of that movie, there's a letter that is written to the family, and, and in a letter they quote, the general that writes the letter quotes Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. And I mentioned it earlier, but that is the answer to how you honor. So it's, yes, we shake their hands and say thank you for your service. Yes, we have them stand and we applaud for them at events. But the big one is what Lincoln said, that you have an increased devotion to the cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. 
that we highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. And as this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. That's how we honor them. We increase our devotion. We get more involved. We spend more time studying the Bible and what it says about how to form our neighborhoods and our states and our nation. We spend more time in Constitution classes and, and, and showing up at school board meetings and testifying and, and being a voice of reason in our community. We have an increased devotion to the cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That's how you thank those who came before us. So now that leads me to how do we do it? How do we now have an increased devotion to the cause? What are the specific things we can do right now in this country, in this culture, to make sure that we're honoring those who came before us, to make sure that we are, in fact, living out this freedom, that we're doing what Private Ryan said, that we're living a good life. And I don't think he meant by that that I'm just having fun. I think he meant, am I living a life worthy of what you did for me? Am I living a life uh, that, 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 that preserves this for other people? In other words, you're paying it forward. You're, 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 you're not just accepting the torch of freedom and enjoying the blessings of liberty and living it up. But instead, you're saying, I'm going to pay it forward, that I'm accepting the torch of freedom, and now I'm protecting the torch of freedom so that I can pass it intact to the next generation, so that I can make sure that my kids and grandkids, that the, the kids in my, in my church and others get it, and that they're willing to defend, that they're willing to, to assert their rights, that they're willing to preserve this for future generations. I think that's where we dropped the ball, folks. Let's just be honest. We, we, we were, <laughs> well, we got really good at enjoying the blessings of liberty. We got really good at, at being, you know, being thankful for getting to go to church on Sunday morning and worship the way we want or to raise our children the way we want. We got good at living the blessings of liberty, not so good at bearing the burden, not so good at, at preserving it for the next generation, not so good at, at making sure that we were, in fact, paying a price as well. Maybe not the ultimate price. You know, we're not all asked to die for freedom, but we are asked to live the freedom that others died for. That's the challenge. That's what we've got to do in remembrance of them, is live the freedom they were willing to die for. And, you know, used to, it might have been hard to do that. Might, you might have said, I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't know what the role is that I need to play. I don't know, I don't know uh, how to preserve freedom. I don't, I don't know how to, you know, Washington's so big, government's so big. I don't know how to be a part of that. But the fact is, it's easy today to be a part of that. It's easy to be a part of the solution if we're willing, if we're willing to just pay attention. I, I, I may sound like a broken record a little bit, but you know, I, I, I've, I've made it pretty easy for people to take a constitution class. I mean, Patriot Academy is, gives that away for free. You, you don't even have to pay for it. And you can actually be a part of the solution there and pass that on to the next generation by learning it. But we've got to learn that freedom if we're going to be able to preserve and protect it and pass it on. So get signed up today, become a constitution coach for free. And, and use that class to pay it forward to the people in your life. You know, open, open up your living room, open up your church, and get people to come over and, and be a part of the solution with you. Uh, get them to begin to study that freedom. It's easy to do if you're willing to do it. And, and, and frankly, the number one thing you can do if you want to preserve freedom, if you want to have an increased devotion to the cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, the number one thing you can do is get in God's Word. Study the Bible, because that's where all the answers are. That's where you will find the solutions to every problem we're facing. And with only 9% of Christians actually in God's Word on a regular basis, that kind of tells you why we're having such a hard time putting those solutions in motion. Because we don't know the answers. We don't know the solutions. So number one is getting God's Word every day. Spend time and find those solutions. Number two is become a Constitution coach 
and start studying the Bible as well. If you're going to, I mean, the Constitution as well. If you're going to be a good biblical citizen, you got to understand the Bible and you got to understand citizenship. What's it mean to be a good citizen in our particular system, in our particular uh, form of government? So, biblical citizenship in modern America is a new course that we launched earlier, uh, or last year, I'm sorry, and, and uh, hundreds of thousands of people have gone through it. We've got a lot of great people in it. I encourage you to take that class. You can sign up today at patriotacademy.com. Uh, really easy to do. And, uh, and we, we come alongside you. It's not like you, you get the materials. Uh, it's not like you just um, you know, uh, have to figure this out from scratch. We've got 13,000 Constitution coaches that will come alongside you and lock shields with you. How's that for some backup? How's that for the cavalry riding in and helping? 13,000 of them. And we've got folks that you know, do, do um, what we call Coach's Corner every, every Friday where coaches come together and exchange ideas and things that you can do to, to be a part of the solution. Um, we've also we've also got a closed Facebook group where you can get in there and exchange ideas with people and ask questions. I, I, I love watching this Facebook group because, you know, if you're thinking about hosting a Constitution class, if you're thinking about, um, you know, getting people in your church together to talk about what it means to be a, a biblical citizen, you may be intimidated. You may be thinking, Rick, man, that sounds like I got to know every answer to every legal question, every answer to the uh, to the Constitution. Let me let me just take all that pressure off of you, friend. You don't have to know anything about the Constitution. You don't have to know anything about those biblical answers to the to to the culture. You don't have to know anything about the law or any of that. You are the lead learner when you host a class. So take all the pressure off and say, you know what? All I got to do is get people in my living room or at the Fellowship Hall at church and turn on the power and hit play. The videos will take care of the rest. That's why we created the course. That's why we brought in Kirk Cameron to teach about the the National Monument to the Forefathers in Massachusetts that has the secret sauce, the recipe for how to have a free society. That's why we have David Barton and Tim Barton teach on, on the founding fathers and the faith of the founders and what it means to find truth and, 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 and the true history of America. Um, and that's why we bring in Rabbi Daniel Lappin and, and, and Congressman Barry Loudermilk and Pastor Rob McCoy and Pastor Jack Kidd, all of these experts to talk about these things so that, that you don't have to have all those answers. So just kind of Take, take your hand right now and wipe your shoulder off. Just take the pressure off. That's what I need to pretend you're, you're removing the pressure. And then get signed up today to be a Constitution coach and become a part of the solution. We have so many challenges, folks. There's so much bad. You know, if you just read the headlines, I could spend my whole hour with you today just talking about the ugly. I could talk all bad and ugly. But I like talking about the good. You know, I, I don't, I'm not saying we ignore the bad and the ugly. I'm not saying you ignore the things that are happening in the culture. I, I do talk about that on the program. I do, I do have a, um, you know, if, if you will, an eyes wide open approach to the negatives that are out there. But then we say, okay, yeah, we've got a, a morally depraved culture right now that is literally taking children to drag queen sex shows. That's, that's how far we've gone, folks. We've got a morally depraved culture that is that is, that is when we have a mass murder event blaming the inanimate object, the, the plastic or metal object that is soulless, instead of saying we've got a depravity problem and we've got a, we've got a heart problem in America. Yes, that, that, that's true. That's how bad it is. That's true. That is bad. That, that's kind of like the spies that came back from the promised land and said, it's too hard. The giants are too big. The fortified cities are, are too strong. They depressed everybody because all they did was acknowledge the challenge without having a, a God-sized solution, without having a, a worldview that says the sovereignty of God, that God is in charge. You know, Joshua and Caleb, they saw the same fortified cities. They saw the same giants in the land. 
And what did Joshua and Caleb say? Giants, huge. Fortified cities, yep. But God's given us the land, and we're going to take the land. They were ready. They wanted to take the land. They knew what to do. But the people were depressed because of the other ten spies. I know you're hearing from people in your church or your family or your community, and some of them are saying, it's all over. America's done for. It's all, you know, it's too hard. The giants are too big. The cities are too fortified. The education system is too bad. The politicians are too corrupt. The election system's um, you know, too rigged. We can't do it. That's the, that's the negative report from the 10. What I'm here to tell you is be Joshua, be Caleb. What did God say to them? Have not I commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. If, are you dismayed today? Are, are, are you allowing despair to, to, to seep in? Are you, are you looking at the giants of our day and the fortified cities of our day and saying it's too hard? If that's you, friend, I'm here to tell you, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Why? For the Lord thy God is with you whithersoever thou goest. Read Joshua 1 and 9 today. He was facing giants. He was facing incredible uh, fortified cities and, 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 and well-armed enemies. And yet he said, I know the Lord is on our side. Just like William Barrett Travis at the Alamo. That's what he said when he wrote that letter and said, compatriots, we need support. He said, the Lord is on our side. All throughout America's history, we've recognized that. Are you recognizing that today? Are you still in the fight? Because, friends, we need you in the fight. We need you to stand up in your community. Again, the solutions, very simple. Let me repeat them before we go to break. Number one, be in God's Word. Absolutely study the answer book. Know that those answers are there for everything in our culture. And then number two, study the Constitution. Actually study the nation in which you live. That's a duty. That's a responsibility. We need to know how our system works. God has given you a system of freedom. It's the parable of the talents. What are we doing with the talents? You've been given a wonderful constitution. You've been given a wonderful system of freedom and the right to vote and to impact what's going on out there. Know the Bible and know the constitution. That's what biblical citizenship in modern America is all about. That's why we teach that course. And so I, I didn't mean to turn today into an entire infomercial about becoming a constitution coach. But folks, you got to do it. You got to step up. You got to sign up and you got to bring the answers. You got to be the catalyst for a restoration of biblical values and constitutional principles in your community. You can be the catalyst. In fact, you must be the catalyst if we're going to save the country. Quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to Rick Green on AFA at the core. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at a 
AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Persecuted Christians in China, they're beaten, jailed, and threatened with death, and they need your help today. This is Bible League International, and just outside of Beijing, 12-year-old Ming became a believer after learning English as a second language through a program from Bible League because the Bible is the source of the reading assignments. Ming would lead her father, Daiku, a Confucianist to Christ, but her bitter atheist mother has turned them in for attending a house church near their home outside of Beijing. Now, we're not sure what's going to happen to these two, but they remain faithful in worship, and they're praying for Bibles because in their church of 200, there's only about three Bibles. Many are known to stay after the service to write down some scriptures just to have something to take into their week. And 50-year-old Katsu, beaten and jailed many times as a pastor, he led his atheist interrogator to Christ. Together, they've seen thousands come to Christ. They need Bibles in China. We're sending God's Word to 16,000 persecuted believers. We have to do this by the end of June. So at $5 a Bible, call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give it sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Rick Green filling in for Walker Wildman. Thank you for listening today and being a part of American Family Radio. Uh, what a blessing to have uh, a voice of truth, to have an outlet for truth. When you when you tune in to AFR, you know you're getting truth you're getting biblical worldview so all these programs all throughout the day it's not just so we can all pontificate and say what we're thinking we're literally on a mission to equip people across the nation to be able to have truth on their side and then act and walk in that truth and be salt and light in the community so thanks for being a part of that and listening today we've been talking about how to honor those who came before us and uh, make sure that we are living out that increased devotion to the cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that cause being the American way of life, the, 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 the Judeo-Christian values that were sown into the culture, the Constitution and the Declaration that represent uh, the greatest government uh, that we've ever seen uh, this side of heaven. And it, uh, and it, and it is uh, teetering, folks. It is, on, uh, it is on the brink of being lost. So we have a great choice to make, right? We can either move back towards liberty or we can fall into the tyranny. Uh, I mean, it's not a difficult choice. It's easy to see where we want to go, but we got to know what produces liberty and what produces tyranny so that we know what to move towards and what to move away from. Just give you a great example of this. Um, Governor Ron DeSantis over in Florida today speaking out against the, um, the, the you know, Biden's move to, to basically force gender ideology into local schools in states where the federal government should have zero say on education, by the way. Let me just set the table here. Education, nowhere in the Constitution. 
There is nothing in the Constitution that gives authority to the federal government to have anything to say or do or spend a penny on education. It's a non-federal issue. It is entirely a state and local issue. Absolutely, without question, the Founding Fathers saw it that way. Absolutely, without question, that's the way we operated for most of our history. And then, you know, because the court decided and because, um, frankly, those who want to move towards socialism and communism uh, infiltrated our federal government, they decided to start. And by the way, that's Republican and Democrat alike. So Republicans and Democrats together have have infused federal power and dollars and and philosophy and, and agenda into education. Uh, and it's been a disaster. So DeSantis said uh, this is nuts. He said this is wrong. And, and so let's just look at the different worldviews here, look at the different Judeo-Christian biblical philosophy on this issue and the different constitutional uh, philosophy. And what does history tell us about this? Of course, on Wobblers Live, we always say biblical, constitutional, historical perspective on every issue. Let's do it on this one. What does the president of the United States want to do? The, the, the Democrat Party and the, and the president and the vice president of the United States and the Democrats in Congress, they truly believe this. They want boys and men to be able to go into the locker room shower and bathroom of your daughter that they think that that is perfectly fine so they not only do they think that's okay not only do they think that that should be allowed while the other side thinks that that should be outlawed should absolutely be wrong that that is that is that is sexual abuse um, and, and assault and, and has, of course, led to sexual assault. And that's what happened in in Loudoun County, Virginia. That's what that whole big blow up last summer was over. The school board tried to hide the fact that they had kid, boys going into girls bathrooms, acting like they were transgender and then assaulting girls. And they hid the fact uh, they, they, they lied to the public, lied to the parents. Just terrible. So so all that stuff happened last summer. Did the president wake up? Did the did Joe Biden say, you know, I think maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe we've been pushing the wrong thing. This is leading to assault of of girls, children, in 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 bathrooms. Probably got a bad policy here. We ought to revert. No, first of all, I don't think the president wakes up, but a couple of hours a day anyway. I'm not sure he even knows that this stuff happened. But uh, but no, they doubled down. They doubled down. They did executive orders. They did. They're they're pushing this radical leftist agenda. And not only did they double down and say, you have to do this. Now, the federal government telling local school districts, think about wherever you live in America, you, you, whether you live in a big city or you live out in the country, whatever state you live in, the idea that the president of the United States would dictate to your school district that they have to let boys go into girls' bathrooms, that should cause you some concern. And if you're a Democrat listening, should make you go, OK, I, I can no longer the, the, make the decision. Ronald Reagan made it like 52 years old in his life. I didn't leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party left me. They have gone off the rails. But instead of just saying we think that you should do this, they said you have to do this. And now they're blackmailing schools and quite literally saying if you don't let if you if you don't buy into our radical gender ideology, ignore science, it's anti-science, all that good stuff. If you don't buy into our anti-science, anti-values, anti-girls philosophy, we're, we're going to steal your lunch money. Yeah, yeah, you, you you don't do this stuff, we're taking your lunch money away. We're, we're, we're not going to allow you to have any of the money that the federal government gives uh, for these free and reduced lunches. Now, 
totally different topic, folks. I'm not going to go off. I'm going to make myself not go down the rabbit hole here, but we shouldn't have federal government money going anyway into these local school districts for lunch and all that kind of stuff. But they're spending the money. It's already been authorized by Congress unconstitutionally, and it's being spent somewhere. And so now the president's going to say, well, I'm just going to redirect the dollars to only those people that share my radical leftist anti-science, anti-woman agenda. And so now he's punishing schools that don't buy into their policy. So back to Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis says, this is a quote, in Florida, we're fighting against Biden's intentionally destructive policies like denying school lunches for states that refuse to implement woke gender ideologies in the schools. He, he quite literally said, I love this. I mean, give me a break, exclamation point. He's totally off his rocker to be doing that. I mean, I love Ron DeSantis's responses to these things. No nonsense. No, doesn't care if it's politically popular. I mean, for this guy to say to the Tampa Bay Rays, you're not going to get your 35 million bucks for your practice facility that the state was going to give you. Again, a rabbit hole. I'd love to go down and say, why in the world is the state of Florida paying for this practice facility in the first place? Taxpayer money should not be building sports facilities. That should be a free market thing. You're talking about billionaires that own these these uh, these professional sports teams. You're talking about players that are making tens of millions, some of them hundreds of millions, and yes, some of them billionaires, and the taxpayers are, are paying for these stadiums. I mean, we do it in Texas. They do it in Florida. We do it in all the states. That stuff needs to stop as well. But Ron DeSantis is actually using that tool, money that shouldn't have been spent in the first place, and he's saying, um, look, if you're going to undermine – the very value system of the country, Tampa Bay Rays, which they were going out, they were going for gun control. They're, you know, telling their players they have to wear, wear these pride flags on their uniforms during Pride Month, which just just want to throw out there. There's a lot of great verses on that one, including the the proverb just the other day I was reading. It was, you know, that that pride is an abomination to the Lord. So yeah, I don't know. You might not want to fly that flag, that pride flag out there for a lot of reasons. But Ron DeSantis stands up against the Tampa Bay Bays, Tampa Bay Rays, uh, to, you know, says no to this, 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 what I would call corporate welfare um, money because they're they're undermining American and Florida values. Um, says no to Disneyland. So we're going to take away your special privileges that the state of Florida gave to you. I mean, he's taking on anybody and everybody that is part of this woke agenda trying to destroy America. So kudos to to Ron DeSantis. I think we need to. I don't know. I need a good phrase here. Desantisify <laughs> the the uh, uh, all, all the states. I, I, who out there wouldn't want to have Ron DeSantis as their governor right now? If you love America and you love the Constitution, and you love freedom, and you think this this insane sexual agenda of the radical left trying it's coming after your kids. If you think that stuff's all wrong, you need a Ron DeSantis in your state. So thank you, Governor DeSantis, for standing up in Florida. I, I, the good part of that too, I would say, is that that other governors are watching that. You know, my governor in Texas is is uh, an all hat, no cattle kind of a governor. You know, he talks a good game, sometimes does something good, but not very often, honestly, um, refuses to, to close the border like he could. Article 1, Section 10 gives states, absolutely gives states the power to do that when the federal government is failing under Article 4, Section 4 to do their job. But, you know, Abbott talks about it, but he doesn't do much on it. Uh, I mean, he talks, you know, he's refused to stop gender modification of children children that 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 things that i mean you just if if you put any effort into this you will see the the heartbreaking stories of guys and girls 
that 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 were went through all of these chem, you know chemical castration and chemical pro, all the things that they went through at, at 15 16 17 years old and now they're saying why did people let me do that i was a confused kid and you changed my body and you blocked my my natural body for i mean they they regret it over and over and over again it's one of the reasons the suicide rate is so high in the you know, with 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 all of this and 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 refusing to to say no to that stuff my governor in texas i mean he he had an opportunity to outlaw that stuff there were plenty of opportunities in the legislature and lots of money came from these hospitals and doctors that do this stuff uh, lots of that money flowed to his coffers and uh, you know I, I mean it just doesn't look good if that's the reason why or not the reason why i don't know but to not take a stand on something that blatantly immoral shame 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 on abbott and all the other governors across the country that did not stop this nonsense but the good news is courage is contagious and so on many issues over the last year or so when desantis stood up and did something in florida governor abbott kind of peeked over and looked at his homework and said oh he's getting awfully popular doing that that's how politicians operate i'm just telling you i've been inside the belly of the beast a long time and a lot of times they'll look around and if they see another politician is getting really popular because of what they're doing, they tend to go, hmm, maybe I ought to do that. So it's kind of an iron sharpening iron thing in a weird sort of way. And courage is contagious. So because of Governor DeSantis standing up on a lot of these issues, it's forcing other Republican governors across the country to stand up on those issues as well. And so we've seen some good things happen in some states like Ohio and other places, even in the last few days on some of these issues uh, because of, of Ron DeSantis. Now, we also see uh, the virtue signaling, right? I mean, there's every governor thinks they got to do some sort of executive order or legislation to stop gun violence. You know, that's the that's the that's the phrase. We got to stop this epidemic of gun violence. Is it is it really gun violence that we're concerned about, folks? I mean, I just want you to stop and think for a second. Is gun violence actually the problem? Isn't murder actually the problem? I, I, I mean, I know they like to call it gun violence, but isn't it actual violence that's the problem? Whether they use a gun, a knife, a bat, a car, or whatever it is, isn't that the problem? Isn't it the heart of man? Isn't it the 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 the, the uh, violence against a fellow human being? And and whether it's because of uh, of race or greed or or envy or wh- any of the other sins, right? It's the violence that's a problem. So it's just as bad to drive a car into a crowd of kids and grandmas and kill six of them and injure sixty two as it is to use a gun or, you know, on the same day Sandy Hook happened 10 years ago when a crazy guy takes a gun and goes in and kills a bunch of kids. The same day in China, crazy guy takes a sword and a knife and goes in and kills a bunch of kids. I mean, it is not the weapon. So it's not gun violence that's the problem. It's violence. It's it's crime. It's it's the it's a murder problem. And 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 so all these governors are, you know, and and, and now Congress and the president, and the proposals and all, you're going to hear all these supposed solutions because they all want to do something. All of their solutions are aimed at an inanimate object, a plastic or metal object known as a gun. And they're going to, you know, of course, they like to pick on a particular kind of gun. They call an AR. They all oh, they're afraid of it because it looks mean. It looks like a military weapon. It's actually one of the best weapons you could have for self-defense, especially the ladies, because the recoil is so so little and and it's a, it's a great weapon to have. I recommend everybody get an AR, uh, be trained on it, go, come to kind of one, one of our constitutional defense courses and get trained and know how to use it. Same as your as your handgun. But the gun is not the problem, folks. Gun violence is not the problem. Depravity of man is the problem. The heart is the problem. And you are not going to solve all crime by passing some law that makes it harder to get a gun that says that now a 19 19 year old is not allowed legally 
to buy one of these guns? Really? That's the solution? Are you kidding? My 19-year-old is trained on how to use these guns. My 19, my 20, my 21-year-old, my 22-year-old, my 25-year-old are all trained on how to properly use these firearms. And you're going to say that they're not allowed to buy one? They're not they're they're not allowed to have one to de, to to defend themselves. These solutions are all window dressing. They don't save lives. They cost lives. If you want to save lives, you recognize the laws of nature and nature's God. You recognize what the Bible says about these things. You recognize that there's always going to be a wolf after the sheep, and therefore we must have sheep dogs. You recognize that it's your duty. It's my duty to be prepared to defend ourselves against the wolf if they show up. You're not going to prevent all evil. But you can absolutely make sure that you have a trained, good person, a good sheepdog everywhere there's sheep. And then you'll be able to stop the carnage and maybe prevent the carnage like what happened in West Virginia the day after Uvalde, where that sheepdog with a ponytail, that gal took out her concealed weapon that she was trained to use and she stopped the threat in seconds. And no innocent people died. Only the bad guy died. I love to hear those kind of stories. That's a good headline, folks. That if only the bad guy dies and all the good people were saved, that's what you want to see because you're not going to prevent there from being any bad guys until we get to heaven. That's a biblical perspective, folks. It's called a biblical right of self-defense. If we had a biblical perspective on every issue in our culture, boy, we could have such a more perfect union. Let's follow the advice of the founding fathers and start studying the Word of God so we know what the solutions are. They read through it every year. And then let's study the Constitution as well and know how our system of government works and how to influence that system. And then let's go be salt and light in our community as biblical citizens in modern America. I do want to encourage you to become a Constitution coach and take that class to your family and your your uh, folks in your church. You can do all of that at patriotacademy.com. I also want to just thank you for listening today. Thanks for being a part of AFR. Thanks for listening to AFA, AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green. I appreciate you being here with us today and look forward to being with you Thursday. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.